Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. When all saints, we remember and we hope. We remember those we've lost. Their faces flicker in our mind. We might light a candle in their memory, a little flame of thanksgiving, of joy, of hope that one day we'll see them again. We remember the saints who were dear to us and those that we've never met, but who nonetheless lead us. The faithful and eccentric people who knew God intimately and used their lives for ministry, and service, and contemplation so that they could reflect God back into their communities. Ten years ago, I didn't know much about the saints. Church history wasn't really emphasized in my theological education growing up. I kind of started with uh, 21st century Oklahoma and the letters of Paul. (laughs) Uh, But in adulthood, when I began to study church history and, and the lives of the saints, it's like I could see my faith in colors that I didn't know existed. It was like I found family that I didn't know I had. The saints are the eccentric aunts and uncles of our faith. They're people who allowed God to shine through their lives so that we might know him. Claire Booth Luce likened the saints to a stained glass window. How they're pieces of broken glass that when held together with lead form a picture. That each individual life of a saint is a piece of glass and when held together with the lead of the Holy Spirit They form the picture of Jesus. They are the body of Christ, and so are we. As bearers of God's image, as members of the communion of saints, our lives are part of that window too. And like pieces of glass, we're a bit broken, a bit jagged around the edges. Individually, we're small and fragile, but when joined together in the spirit, we become stronger And the rays of God's light can shine through us like a holy fire, bringing color and light into the darkest of places. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was a psychiatrist and a pioneer in hospice care, and she too likened people to stained glass, saying they sparkle and shine when the sun is out. But when the darkness sets in, their true beauty is revealed only if there is a light from within. Sometimes the rays of God's light shine into the dark places within us, the places that need to be revealed and dealt with, the traumas that need to be seen in order to be healed. And sometimes the rays of God's light shine through us, and we become agents of that healing, the hands and feet of God bringing light to the places that seem hopeless, to the places where darkness has set in. We are to live lives that embody hope. Hope that violence and chaos do not have the last word, but that God does. In the last month, in the last few hours even, we have witnessed so much darkness, so much loss. In Maine, in Israel, now in Gaza, so many lives have been lost to violence. It's devastating. It's been hard to be hopeful. It's been hard to see light. 
And in preparing for this sermon, I didn't anticipate that I'd find light, that I'd find hope in the book of Revelation. Because to put it mildly, Revelation it can be kind of a lot. <laughs> you know, it, its imagery and language are intense and opaque. It's been used to scare people, to scare us into stockpiling canned food, and it, its depictions have traumatized a whole generation of evangelical kids, myself included, who immediately jump to the rapture and think that they've been left behind if they can't find their parents for just a minute. But fear isn't what the book of Revelation teaches us. What it does do is reveal where we are to place our hope. It shines a light on what it looks like to cling to hope in hopeless times and to claim victory in the midst of loss. John is writing the book to churches who are about to face tremendous persecution. And this particular passage is sandwiched between the opening of the sixth and seventh seal. And so far, John's vision has been one of loss, of judgment, of violence. But even in the most difficult sections of Revelation, God's judgment is not unrelenting. For now, John sees a great multitude of people, a group that couldn't possibly be counted, of every tribe, of every language, of every nation. They're wearing white and they're waving palms, worshiping God. Who are these people? These people of every nation dressed alike. Who are these people who wave palms of victory and sing with joy? And the elder responds, these are those who have come out of the great suffering. They've lived through a nightmare, and now it's morning. They've been rescued by the Lamb, and now they stand in the presence of God. They have suffered in darkness, but now God is no longer hard to find. They're sheltered in the light of his presence. God is right before them, nursing them, feeding them, wiping every tear. That's quite an image. It's one that I cling to, that the creator of the universe cares so much about people who have suffered that he welcomes them into his presence and wipes each tear. The tears of the multitude are not too numerous for God. He addresses each one. Frederick Buchner once wrote, in his holy flirtation with the world, God occasionally drops a handkerchief. These handkerchiefs are called saints. These are people who reveal God's love for us, his care, and who wipe our tears in the here and now. They're agents of hope. They embody the hope that God has the last word and that God is still working. Here at Christ Church, this Sunday is not only one where we think about the saints, it's also one where we think about our giving. And while our giving can be framed in terms of sacrifice and offering, our giving is also an act of hope. It's a tangible way to claim victory in the here and now. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of violence and pain, we give as a way of saying, God, we trust that you're not done here. Please don't be done here. Keep working. We want to join you in your work. 
When we give, it's an act of embodied hope that allows us to join in the work of God, to be handkerchiefs to one another, to be windows that God's light shines through. When we give, we join God in the work of providing community, community to the single parent, to, to the refugee, to the kids of new hope. When we give, we join in the work of providing physical shelter to those in need and spiritual shelter to those whose faith is tattered and tired, those who are looking for a place of rest. When we give, we join God in the work of feeding, you know, feeding those who come to the altar rail and feeding those who come to the folding tables of Thursday night light. When we give, we join God in the work of leading people to springs of water, sharing their burdens, wiping their tears, because tears are still flowing, and they'll keep flowing. Our baptism doesn't mean that we're shielded from pain, from betrayal, from violence. Rather, it means that God will be with us. God's presence accompanies us in the midst of trial, Grief is going to find us, and God is going to find us. God will be with us through his spirit and through the occasional handkerchief that he drops. And as we embody this hope with our resources and our times and ourselves, we remember how the light of God has shone in the past you know, through the stained glass windows of this church, through the stained glass of the saints. And we commit ourselves as image bearers to bear God's light today and tomorrow and the next day until we too are part of the multitudes worshiping God in heaven. Until we too stand in the shelter of God's light with the whole communion of saints. There will we, we will be fed. There we will be cared for. And our tears will be wiped away, yet this time not by a handkerchief, but by the very hands that hung the stars. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.